Every Sunday, we gather to make much of Jesus through the preaching of God's word, worship, and fellowship together. We would love for you to come and join us. We have two services, one at 8.30 and one at 11, and Bible study for all ages at 9.45. We hope you will grow in your affection for Jesus with today's message. Thanks for listening. So when I think about life today in this coronavirus pandemic, I, I picture it as a just colossal category five storm that is just bearing down on us with these high winds that have just toppled over our economy. And it has just rained down anxiety and fear. And we have just been inundated, just flooded with just so many uncertainties. And so whenever I stop and I just picture what is going on around us, I, I think of uncertainty, the unknown, and even despair. It's been a really hard time. And so I'm not sure how you've been hit with this pandemic, but all of us in some way are experiencing this storm that, that we're in. And so I just want to ask you a question here, just as we jump in, is... How is your heart today? Are you frustrated? Are you fearful? Are you maybe unsure how God's plan or or God's purpose fits into this storm that we find ourselves in called a quarantine and with our economy still shut down? And maybe this morning you've logged on and you're part of this online worship gathering and, and, and I just want to ask a question is, so well, what does your soul need most in this season? Maybe you think, well, I don't know. Maybe you begin to conjure a list of things that you feel that you need. But let me tell you what you need most. Mark chapter one. So the gospel of Mark begins verse one with with describing how Jesus came. And then not too long into chapter one, you see the baptism of Jesus. And it says, when Jesus came up out of the water, it says immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. It says, and a voice came out of heaven saying, you are my beloved son with who I am well pleased. So in the middle of this storm that we find ourselves in, what your soul needs the most is for the heavens to be torn open, for God's spirit to descend upon you, and you need to see Jesus. You need to see the glory of God in the face of Jesus. So I pray that the heavens would tear open today and that you, with your eyes of faith, that you would get a fresh vision of Jesus. That is what our souls need most in the middle of the storm that we find ourselves in. We need an encounter with the living God. We need to come face to face with the risen Savior, with Jesus himself. And I believe that God is using COVID-19 to bring revival. I believe that God has a very distinct purpose for allowing this virus to spread the way it has, for churches not be able to gather for now several months, for us to have to face this fear and uncertainty, for us to have to go through this storm. 
I believe God has a plan to revive people's hearts, to awaken the people of God, and to cause churches, not just renewal or First Baptist, but churches across the country and here in our county, to just evaluate and to ask the hard questions on what is it that God is doing. And we should not waste this season We should just thrive in the middle of this situation, of this storm that we're in, and ask some hard questions on, God, what are you trying to reveal to me and even to us as a church? I believe that this pandemic is exposing cultural Christianity. All of the fakers and the posers that just show up on a Sunday, but that have no regard for God, who do not love him, that do not pursue him, who don't have actual faith in Jesus, but are just doing the religious, cultural Christianity church thing. Those who have a churchy anti but don't actually know Jesus, that that is being exposed. And I pray if that's you today, that today would be the beginning of a revival in your soul where you would come face to face with the resurrected Christ and that you will have your heart gripped with the glory of Jesus and that you would live different. And that we can praise God for COVID-19 because he is a God who brings good even out of very difficult circumstances. And this is God's sovereign hand. And he is driving out fear. He is at work in refining us and in giving us something real. And not just a check the box Christianity. And so I pray that this morning, that as we gather online, that you would sense the spirit of God upon you. And that this would be a time of renewal, of revival in your life. That would lead to real change. So this morning, I'm going to ask you a question. And this is the theme for this morning's gathering is, why are you so afraid? This is a question that Jesus asked of his disciples in Mark chapter 4. And we're going to be in there. So if you can, go ahead and turn to Mark 4. And as you're looking for that text... I'm going to give you the two primary truths that will that we will see in this text. The first one is that we're going to see, this is about fear and why are we so afraid. So the first truth is responses that cause fear to rise up. And so what are some responses of us being in the storm? Number one, what are some responses that cause fear to just rise up, to just bubble up inside? And then number two, we're going to see what are some responses in the middle of the storm that can cause faith to rise up. So what causes fear and yet what causes faith to come up from deep inside and to bubble up and to have your faith activated where you feel it and you know that God is there with you. And I believe, because I've seen this as a pastor myself, that there are many believers that are just trying to survive COVID-19. That They're just trying to get by. Maybe you just can't wait for it to end. Maybe you're trying to eat your way through COVID-19. Maybe you're trying to binge Netflix your way through COVID-19. Maybe you're just whatever you're doing just to cope, just to get by, to just just endure it. And then on the other end, get back to a sense of normalcy in your faith. 
But this is not the time to put our lives, our faith in neutral. It is not the time for us to coast. This is a season for us to pursue Jesus hard and to be a people of faith and not a people of fear. So in Mark chapter 4, what you see is a culmination of Jesus who's been teaching to multitudes. It says large crowds that were pressing in trying to hear Jesus teach. Well, what, what happens is there are so many that he actually gets in the boat and he goes right off the shore and he's in the Sea of Galilee. And all the people, all the crowds are just huddled on the shore listening to Jesus as he's preaching. And after being in the sun all day... In the evening, Jesus says, okay, everyone needs to go home, and he's done with his teaching, and he tells his closest men, hey, let's get in the boat, and let's go across the Sea of Galilee. And that is where the story picks up in Mark chapter 4. Let's start with verse 35. And on that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in their boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. So you see there were other boats of other people that were also trying to still follow Jesus across the Sea of Galilee. And his disciples, there it says that God with Jesus just as he was, as in they didn't go back home and pack or get preparation. They just got in the boat as they were and just went right across now, this was a very routine thing. This was just a normal thing for them. You know, these were fishermen, at least four of them. So Andrew and, and his brother Peter and James and John, these are professional commercial fishermen. And so going across Galilee, the sea would have been no big deal, a routine, normal thing. And isn't that how life works? That when you get in the boat with Jesus... When you are following him and you are trusting him, that something is going to happen. I can promise you that if you will have the courage to take a risk and follow Jesus wherever he would lead you and then just get in the boat with him, I can assure you it will not be a ho-hum routine experience. But I can tell you this, it will change you. It may terrify you, but it will change you. And how many of our favorite stories begin with the hero who is just going about his daily life and then something happens and it's wondrous. And so following Jesus will lead to something absolutely magnificent if we will just follow him. And they do. And in verse 37, we see the story continues. And it says, and a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling up. Now, if you don't know the geography, the, the Sea of Galilee is kind of like in the deep basin. And, and what it is, it's, it has on one side, on the east, there's a mountain range. And on the west side, there's hills. But intersecting it, like there's there's like these gorges or valleys. And it creates like a funnel effect where the wind blows 
through these valleys and it blows right onto the surface of Sea of Galilee. And what can happen is if the wind is strong enough, then when that wind that's being funneled in by the geography just around and just, just the landscape, what happens is that there can be storms that can just come up very quickly all of a sudden. Now, even though storms were fairly common on the sea, these fishermen were were accustomed to it. This was just a normal thing. And yet, this storm was different. This was this is a storm where it was filling the boat and the boat was beginning to break apart. And so even though these fishermen were used to it and they could handle storms, that wasn't a terrifying thing, but this storm was different. Now, I can imagine Matthew, you know, my namesake. He had been an accountant. He'd been a tax collector. So I can imagine that he was there by calculating in his mind the odds of survival. And so I, I can already imagine kind of like in Star Wars where C-3PO was always calculating for Han Solo, the odds of our survival is only 18%. And he's like, don't give me the odds. I can already imagine Matthew trying to calculate the odds and saying, guys, we're in real trouble here. And everyone's saying, Shut up, Matthew. What do you know? Just pick up a bucket and just bail some more water. And they're all trying to bail the water and they're trying to manage and handle the storm as best they could, relying on their past experience as fishermen. And yet this storm was different. And they were unable to manage. They were unable to save themselves in this storm. They were overcome with fear. They were terrified. Verse 38, it says, but he, Jesus, was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And so this is amazing. Jesus is in the back, in the stern, just laying there with head on the cushion, just asleep, resting after a long day in the sun. And these these guys go and they wake him up. They say, Jesus, do something. Pick up a bucket and bail some water with us. What, what's wrong? Don't you understand? Don't you see the storm that we're in? Don't you care? We're all going to die. Like they're just totally freaking out. And they're angry at Jesus for his apparent apathy and being asleep. Verse 39. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. Can you just picture Jesus? Like he's asleep and wake him up and he rubs his eyes and looks around and says, what's, what's going on? And his friends are all freaking out and he just calmly just looks out, stands up and says, peace, shalom. Be still. And immediately, the waves stop. The storm is gone. And then he looks to his disciples in the very next verse. And he said to them, this is in verse 40. Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Why are you so Afraid. I think, I think that's a really penetrating question. I think it's a question that we need to ponder and that we shouldn't gloss over 
or ignore. If you've been raised in the church, then you've heard the story since you were a child. And and right now you're tempted to think, oh, I already know that story. Like I, I can fast forward to the last song because because it's online. So I can just fast forward. and I, I don't have to endure this whole sermon. I, I already know this one. Um, before you do that, let me just encourage you to stop right here and just ponder this question that Jesus asked of his followers. Why are you so afraid? What is it that you are afraid of? Afraid of losing? Why are you so afraid of not having enough for retirement? Or opposite end of the spectrum, why are you so afraid that you're never going to get married? Or why are you so afraid that your kids right now just are not listening to you and you just fear that they are going to just turn out messed up someday? Why are you so afraid that you're not going to be able to launch that career that you're dreaming of? Why are you so afraid to step out and to serve God with reckless abandon? Why are you so afraid to share your faith with that friend that you know needs to hear the good news? Why are you afraid to take that leadership role that you and your soul, you know God is calling you to take? Why are you so afraid to lead your family spiritually? Why are you so afraid to fill in the blank? What is it? What is it that keeps you up and that causes you anxiety or worry? Why are you afraid of not having enough money? What is it? I think we need to be real with ourselves and with our God that we all have fears. And Jesus asks this question, why are you so afraid? And then verse 41, he says, and they were filled with great fear And said to one another, who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now, that that is actually remarkable because it says that they were afraid. And now that the story ends, they're still afraid. But it's different. The fear that they first had was a fear of dying and a fear that Jesus didn't love them or didn't care about them. But at the end of the story, this fear is a different word. It's a deep awe. They had this reverence, this sense of worship, like they were just absolutely dumbfounded, awestruck. They were in awe of who Jesus is. And they say, who is Jesus? Who is this guy that was asleep? And seem to not care. And he wakes up and the waves stop. Who exactly is Jesus? That right there is the question. That is the ultimate question. Who is Jesus? And how you answer that question will define your world's view. It'll define how you think. It'll define how you live your life. It'll define what you're most passionate about. It will give you hope or despair. Who is Jesus is the most significant question that answers all of our deepest desires and longings and purpose and aspirations. Who is Jesus? And this story reveals who Jesus is while also showing us the key to having peace in him and not being fearful. 
So why are you so afraid? Let me give you some responses that cause fear to rise up. This is the first question. So what are some responses in the storm, in the quarantine, in your marriage being hard, in fill in the blank, in what's hard right now, what that would cause you fear? What are some responses that will cause fear to rise up? The first one is focusing on the circumstances. If you focus on the circumstances like the disciples did, focusing on the rain and on the storm and on the wind and on the boat breaking up and on the water coming in, they were focused on the circumstances, on how they were being engulfed by the sea and they were even more so being engulfed with fear. By focusing on what's going on around you, on the circumstances that will cause fear to rise up. We cannot obsess over the circumstances. On that deeply disappointing marriage. We can't focus on that painful medical diagnosis. We can't focus on how your life maybe is not turning out the way you thought or hoped it would. You can't focus on those dreams that are still yet unfulfilled or those deep longings that are still unmet. When you focus on just the difficult circumstances, what happens is fear begins to creep up. You fear that you're not going to get it. You fear it's never going to happen. You fear Jesus doesn't love you. You fear he's checked out because you're focusing on the circumstances all around you. And here's the problem. When we're focusing or, or obsessing on the, the undesirable or hard circumstances, what's actually happening in our heart is that we're trying to change the circumstances. We're trying to maybe fix the situation or change that other person. Or we're trying to heal our own soul. Or maybe you're trying to deliver yourself from a habit that you know has you ensnared and in bondage. What essentially what you're doing is you're trying to stop the storm by you crying out, be still. It's not going to work. And if you've been trying, let me ask you a question. How's that working out for you? How is it working? For you to try to obsess over the circumstances and try to change things that are so far beyond your control. It leads to fear. It exposes deep heart idols. It exposes those realities that we think, if I just don't get blank, if blank doesn't happen, then life just really isn't worth living anymore. That is exposing an idol that's a counterfeit where we're worshiping it and not Jesus. And so the first, the first response that causes fear to just crop up is a focusing on the circumstances. Second is functioning within your own resources. So when you function within your own abilities or resources, you are going to be fearful. The disciples, what were they doing? They were bailing water. They were striving. They were working hard, trying to manage the storm. Oh, my goodness. You can't manage the storm. It's bigger than you. But we try. We try all the time 
to manage situations and circumstances in our life in our own strength, in our own resources. Like when you promise yourself, I will never look at porn again until you do. I will never explode in anger again until you do. I'm going to go ahead and have a more responsible budget, live within my means, and be able to be a person of faith who tithes and faithfully gives to God's kingdom from my all of my financial blessings. And you promise yourself that until you don't. And the list goes on on ways that we try to change ourselves or manage or to free ourselves. And it's simply relying, it's functioning within our own resources, which is what the disciples were doing. Trying to manage the boat in the storm. And maybe you're afraid today because you fear that you're never going to see that change that you yearn for. But you've been doing it in your own resources that is going to lead only to panic and fear and depression. Another response is forgetting who is with you. So these responses that lead to fear is focus on the circumstances and function in your own resources and then forget who is with you in the boat. Mark chapter one begins telling us that Jesus is the Messiah, the son of of God. That's verse one, chapter one, out of the gate. Matthew, I mean, sorry, Mark is saying, this is who Jesus is. He is Messiah. He is the son of God. And then later in the chapter, you see Jesus baptized and the father, literally a voice from heaven speaks. That is my son. I am pleased with him. And then the spirit of God comes down in the form of a dove upon him. Like that should be enough to say, oh, Jesus is a little bit different from the rest of us. But if you keep reading, he heals multitudes. He's casting out demons. He teaches with authority. Everything about Jesus is just crying out. He is not just a man. He is God in the flesh. They forgot. They forgot who was with them in the boat. And when you forget who was with you, if you have faith in Jesus as your savior, then Jesus is with you in that boat, in your storm, right here, right now. Whatever your storm looks like, Jesus is with you. Do not forget who is in the boat. We forget. Which is why maybe in this quarantine, you've, maybe you've struggled with reading the Bible. Maybe you've struggled with, with praying. Maybe you've struggled with, with really being intentional to follow Jesus because quite honestly, you're used to following Jesus on Sunday morning. And now that that's been removed, you feel like you're kind of lost at sea. And yet, if the sum total of your following Jesus is a Sunday morning worship gathering, then you have missed the point. 
The church is where you come to be fueled and to hear the word and to be, to be mobilized to be on mission and to have communities. So we need churches. Look, I'm a church planter. I'm a pastor. So I love the church. But the church is not the building. The church is not Sunday morning only. The church is the people of God called out of the world who live on mission for Jesus. And we do this together. And so this whole pandemic is exposing so many of us that our whole Christianity is just Sunday morning, go, show up, go to class, say, see you next week. And then the whole week goes by and there's no faith in Jesus and there's no discipleship. There's there's no other actual intentionality. And so I encourage you not to forget. Do not forget who is with you. Do not forget because it leads to fear. Focusing on the circumstances and operating, so functioning in your own resources and forgetting who's with you will lead to fear. But what does this story show us about faith? What are responses from this story that can cause faith to bubble up and to be confident to really follow Jesus with confidence, with boldness? Well, the first one is recognize who is with you. So don't forget who is with you. Instead, recognize who it is that is with you. They ask the question, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? They're saying, who is Jesus? Well, the whole point of the story is to answer that question, who is Jesus? Well, if you go to the Psalms repeatedly, Psalm 65, 89, 93, 107, several different Psalms describe how God alone can calm the raging sea. I'll give you one example. Psalm 107 verse 29 says, He made the storm be still and the waves of the sea were hushed. And so it says that this is almost the exact language that Jesus used. It says, storm be still. Hush. He's basically quoting Psalm 107. And then if you look at Jonah, when the rebellious prophet is hurled out of the boat into the sea, the raging storm ceased. It says the sea ceased, stopped its raging. And so who makes the sea stop? Only God. The Bible is clear. This is a God thing that only God can do. It's the reason why in Genesis chapter 1 verse 2 in creation, it describes the Spirit of God as says, hovering over the waters. In, in this ancient Hebraic thinking, the ancient world, the waters, the sea represented chaos. It, it, was a, it was a place of disorder and of death. And so for God to be hovering with this beautiful poetic language of hovering over the waters is saying that God is about to bring order out of chaos, out of nothingness. He's about to create the entire universe. And so God has authority over the waters And so when Jesus stands up and says, peace, shalom, be still. The reason why the sea stood still is because the sea recognized the voice that created the sea in the first place. The sea remembered, oh, I know that voice. And submitted to the authority of King Jesus because Jesus is God in the flesh who has authority over the waters. 
so you remember who is with you. We serve Jesus, the crucified and resurrected one who is the Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end, worthy of our worship. He is who is with us, and so we can have faith because of Jesus. Next, remember who called you. So first you recognize who is with you, and then you remember who called you. Who told him to get in the boat in the first place? It was Jesus. It was his idea. It was his plan. And so this storm was part of God's sovereign purpose for them. The disciples needed the storm. Did you catch what I just said? They needed it. Whatever storm you're going through right now in your life, you have to know and believe that you need it. You need it because God is sovereign. He has a purpose and he will accomplish it through that storm. And if there was any other way for God to accomplish his purpose for you without that storm, of course, God is wise. He will do it. So if God is allowing that storm to happen in your life, it is because it has a purpose. There is a purpose in your pain. I just finished preaching a series through Habakkuk, um, a series I call Confidence in the Chaos. And it was all about how God has a purpose in our disappointments and in our pain and in this hard season. And and I posed a question for Renewal Church to ponder. I asked, do you want relief or do you want refinement? Because if all you want is relief, you can go find that in so many ways in this world. It'll be fleeting, and it won't satisfy you, but it's temporary relief. But maybe God has something more and bigger and more glorious. He wants to refine you, and he is going to refine you through the storm that you're in. There's a purpose in it, so we trust him, and we remember who called us in the first place. We need God. We were made for him, to depend on him. We cannot live by our own strength. We live by the grace of God who sustains us. And so when we have these storms in our lives, it forces us, it reminds us of our proper place as servants who are dependent upon God rather than thinking that we got this when we don't. So we remember who has called us. Jesus is real. But how real is he to you? That's a different question. Do you live practically as though he's not real? Or do you live in a way that who Jesus is impacts your thoughts, your words, your desires, and your actions? So we recognize who is with us. We remember who has called us. And then we rest our soul in Jesus. This is the way that we can respond and have faith in the storm as we rest our soul in Jesus. The disciples, instead of feverishly, frantically bailing water and trying to manage in their own resources, when they saw Jesus resting, they had another option. They could have gone and lied down right next to Jesus cuddle up next to him and say, okay, Jesus, I'm going to fall asleep next to you. I'm going to come rest with you. Because if you're in the boat, 
We're not going under. There's no way. I'm with you, Jesus. I'm safe and I'm secure. And so I don't care how terrifying the storm is. I am with you and I have hope because you conquered the grave. And so rather than try to manage in your, in your own resources, you can go rest with Jesus. Go rest your soul in him. And so today, will you just stop bailing water in your life? And trying to just manage and figure it out in your own strength. Or will you just rest with Jesus and let his spirit lead you and direct you and just hear his voice and rest in him today? This recognizing, remembering, and resting is the way that we can respond and then have faith in the storm. Because God's ways are higher than our ways And his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And he's using all of these circumstances to accomplish his purpose of making you more holy, of drawing closer to him. Of of, He just wants all of it. He wants your whole heart. And he's using the storm to get your whole heart. There's a member of our church named Pilar Revilla. She's just been an amazing person. Um, and her husband, Tom, and they have been servants at Renewal. I'm so thankful for them. And I want you to watch this testimony of Pilar and then just see how she has lived this out personally in her life. I met my husband my now husband, uh, back in February of 1989. Tom had a job with a bank. I had a job with a temp agency. And we could see the Lord working. After about three years of marriage, um, we decided that it was time to probably have children or at least start trying to have children. And so at this point, I was working for a nonprofit organization, running preschool classes. And so... The time for each baby to be born just um, in August was just not real convenient, or September, you know. This baby had to be born in April, and that way I could be off during the summertime. So come the day of the appointment with the doctor, and um, they bring us in, they give us, they weigh me, and I've put on weight, and we're so excited because this baby is due in April. And uh, the nurse comes in to, um, to listen for the heartbeat. And there was no heartbeat. And everything that we thought we had control over was gone. And so overnight, we held each other and we cried. And God very clearly said, you just think, you just think you're in control. My ways are so much higher than your ways. My ways are so much more than yours. And we had to trust. And we had to trust. And three months later, in December, the Lord said, this is your time. I became pregnant in December. And as you can imagine, the baby was born in September. (laughs) And it didn't matter. We decided that we were going to expand our family. Um, we learned our lesson. We knew it was God's timing. And so we prayed about it. We prayed about it. And we did go through some difficult things. There were some miscarriages. 
and uh, over Thanksgiving break, in fact, I miscarried and I knew what it was because I had experienced it. And I prayed, Lord, just let me have peace about this. Just give me your peace. That's all I want. So we go to the hospital and um, they took me in and they said, ma'am, um, we don't know what's happened to you, but you are most definitely pregnant. There is a heartbeat. And um, it was a twin pregnancy and I lost one. And um, so there was joy, but there was sadness, but God was faithful. So in February of last year, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. They told me that in week three of chemo, that hair follicles just really don't like the medication. And so that I would probably lose my hair. And um, I did not think that that was going to be that big of an issue. And when it came to it, um, I cut my hair fairly short. I did everything I could to keep that, that hair. I was trying so hard. After going through chemotherapy, I had surgery. Five days later, I got my pathology report, and there was no cancer there. I was praying to the Lord. It's like, Lord, when are you going to give me hair? When are you going to give me hair? And very clearly in my spirit, he said, how can I give you hair when you have not given me what you have right now? The Lord was asking for everything. And until I gave him everything, he wasn't going to give me anything. And so I did. I trusted him. I gave him my hair. And look at it now. And I just love our sister Pilar. Her story is inspiring and she's been through so much, but she has seen God's purpose of, of wanting her whole heart through the storms of her life. There is always purpose in your pain. So let me ask this question again as we begin to come to a close is, why are you so afraid? Will you draw near to Jesus and receive his love and his mercy and then feel faith just activated, feel faith, just feel stronger and trust him no matter what's going on around you. And as we wrap up, I just want to share a few thoughts of how we can apply this text to this beautiful friendship between First Baptist Belton and with Renewal Church. Several years ago, God called this church to step into the boat of church planting. This was not my idea. It was not Pastor Andy's idea. This was the Spirit of God that was hovering and that was at work in the members of this church. And Pastor Andy did, of course, as the lead pastor, took the lead. He spoke to the elders and there was consensus. The staff was all excited. The church agreed in a vote. And so, so why is it that First Baptist got into the church planting boat? Because Jesus told you to, just like the disciples. 
But just like the disciples, you experienced some storms and some, some, some inclement weather. There were financial struggles. There was this calling of plant, planting a church while also building a new building. And, and there was so much uncertainty. But what did First Baptist do? She did not flinch. She did not focus on her circumstances. She did not forget who was with her in the boat. She didn't. What First Baptist did was recognize who was with you and remembered who has called you. And your church, First Baptist, has been resting in Jesus. And so you had the courage to plant a church. And you've had the courage to continue to support us and to encourage us. And look at what God has done through you. What he's done is now there's a church that exists that did not exist one year ago. We just celebrated a one-year anniversary. And so I'm just so excited to be with you even here online today and to just celebrate this one-year anniversary and to tell you that you trusting Jesus and getting in that church planting boat is what has led to the existence of a church that has seen people come to faith. We've had baptisms out of Lake Belton. We've had people that left the church decades ago return for the first time. We've had particle sons and daughters come back to the Father. We have seen people renewed in their faith. We have seen our home groups multiply to have a greater reach in our community. We we have seen a church that's on her way towards being self-supporting financially. We have seen a church that is hungry for the word of God. We have seen the hand of God. Renewed church is something that God has accomplished, but he used you because you had the courage to look to Jesus and not to the circumstances, to have a vision of being a church planting church. But hey, the work's not done. There are more churches to be planted. There are more people to be reached. And so today I just want to say thank you for the partnership, for the support, for the prayers, for the friendship. And I stand here today honestly humbled and a bit overwhelmed and, and very grateful I don't deserve the honor of being a church plant that came out of this remarkable church. But thankfully, this isn't about deserving. It's about God's mercy. And so I love First Baptist Belton. I love your vision. And I want to encourage you to keep moving forward and to remember when you see renewal, that is just an example of what happens when you get in that boat and you trust Jesus. And no matter how hard it gets in your life, there is always hope. Look to Jesus. Who then is this that the wind and sea obey him? Who is Jesus? He's the Savior. He died on the cross and was resurrected to take away our sins. So he offers you hope, offers you forgiveness and purpose and everlasting joy if you will turn away from your sin and trust in Jesus alone. He can calm the storms. He can calm the storm in your heart if you will look to him and trust him. So will you come, will you come and rest in Jesus? Are you in need of daily encouragement or want to learn more about First Baptist Belton? Visit our website at www.fbcbelton.org 
or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Follow and like today. Thanks for listening to today's message.